everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of School Nutrition Dietitian. We've all been hearing a lot about sustainability and different initiatives, but when you think about cost, you may wonder how is it even possible for school nutrition to be involved in sustainable initiatives and bringing more clean label product to our children? Is that something within our reach? Well, today I have Ryan on from Austin ISD so he can share how his district is joining in. School Nutrition Dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the School Nutrition Dietitian. Hello, Ryan. Hi, this is Ryan. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Well, thanks so much for being willing to come on again. (laughs) I'm hoping um, that that's the last time that ever happens to me. So no more technical problems from here on out. I'm going to speak it into existence. So since we already uh, have done this, we can just jump right in. Sounds good to me. Okay. So can you tell me, how did you end up in school nutrition? Like what sparked your interest in dietetics and what was the pathway to school nutrition in particular? Uh, okay, it's been a pretty long road, I think. Uh, so I initially went to school for culinary arts and, uh, you know, I worked in restaurants when I was in high school and kind of developed a love for cooking and for food. And so I went to Johnson Wales University for uh, culinary arts and got a degree there in culinary arts, worked in kitchens, uh, you know, uh, during my time there. And then uh, they started this kind of new program at Johnson Wales where you can get a bachelor's degree in nutrition, a culinary nutrition uh, bachelor's degree, which, uh, you know, I was actually the first graduate of the class of that program. Uh, And that was kind of a dietetics program, but specifically more focused on food, which I think, you know, dietetics programs have gotten a little bit better with uh, making sure that dietitians have a knowledge base of cooking and food in general, and it's a little bit moving a little tiny bit away from the science and more towards that, which I think is really important, but that was one of the first programs that did that. Um, In my undergrad, I took some nutrition classes. Uh, I really enjoyed them. Uh, I love science. I like, you know, math and you know, so I was really kind of interested in that and kind of went that direction instead of the culinary side and uh, did my dietetic internship uh, at Keene State College in southern New Hampshire. I had a really enjoyable experience doing that. Uh, and then uh, after that, I actually went into the Peace Corps and was a Peace Corps volunteer in Niger for two years as a health volunteer doing a lot of work on food and water security kind of issues, a lot of maternal and child health issues related to nutrition and things like that. And then so I finished my Peace Corps experience, spent two years in Niger, and then moved back um, from Chicago originally. I moved back to Chicago. I worked actually as a WIC nutritionist for a few years while I was earning a master's degree in education. I think my ultimate goal was to, at that point, was to sort of 
teach or, you know, earn a PhD at some point, maybe teach on the collegiate level. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, to be quite honest. And then I got a job uh, towards the tail end of my time in Chicago working, doing like menu planning and stuff like that for a sort of in-district charter school system with Chicago Public Schools and did that nine months or so. And I kind of enjoyed that. It was it was interesting, a uh, good learning opportunity, something different anyway than the WIC experience. Was That would have been the first time you had to really look at the meal pattern and specifically plan a menu with restrictions. What was that training experience like? Um, it was uh, it was pretty non-existent, to be quite honest. Uh, kind of here you go. Uh, so you know, I mean, I was the only, there was nobody above me. It was, I was the only dietitian or the anyone working with that aspect of thing or, and food service and doing all the ordering for the, the programs and things like that. So um, there wasn't really a lot of, um, you know, training and stuff like that. So, yeah. so what yeah. did you do? And this was, uh, this, this was kind of prior to the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act. Gotcha. So. Regulations were a little bit less than they are now, but still pretty stringent. Um, and there's still a meal pattern to follow and stuff like that. So, right. so you just read the regulations and made it happen. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of how it was. I, you know, kind of handed the manual, handed the manual, and say, "Have at it." So. Yeah. Okay, I think that happens to a lot of people. I just do you have any yes. tips for anybody yes, else having that same experience? Uh, you know, I mean, hopefully you get the job like in a year that's not an audit year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's some leeway to make a mistake here and there. Um, you know, because it does happen, uh, particularly now with the regulations being so tight like they are. Um, but, you know, reach out. There's generally, it depends on the state uh, or the region that you're in. There's a lot of training opportunities and things like that generally from the, you know, whether it's the Department of Ag or State Board of Education who runs the school nutrition programs, generally offers a lot of training. The, the uh, Institute of Child Nutrition has a lot of uh, information available to it. And, uh, you know, reach out to other people, colleagues, you know, because we're all on the same boat, you know, and uh, and there's always people who are willing to offer some guidance to you. Um, I feel like it's a pretty relatively tight-knit community in school nutrition, and people are always willing to share ideas and, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So Absolutely. Okay, great. That's a good tip. So after that, so right now you are at the point where you just had like nine months of menu planning. Where did you go from there? Yeah. So after that, the kind of, this is 2009-ish, the economy kind of bottomed out in Chicago. That job was kind of eliminated via that school, that charter school system. And I don't think they actually exist anymore. I think they shut down pretty close, pretty uh, soon after that. So I moved to Austin, where I'm at now, in 2010, and I got a job right away when I moved here as a uh, health science technology teacher under the career and technology education umbrella in a uh, in a public school here in the Austin Independent School District. And so I taught uh, nutrition, a fitness course, pharmacology, and anatomy and physiology, all senior level kind of practicum type courses where my students would get like certifications as pharmacy technicians and phlebotomists, CNAs, uh, personal trainers, things like that. So it was kind of like a, a career ready program. I did that for six years. I really, really enjoyed it. 
And I think really people ask me why I left teaching and in, in, in general, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, six years of it, I, I kind of felt like there wasn't really much more areas of growth to be had and I wasn't really learning, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that's really important to me. And Austin just kept getting increasingly more and more and more expensive each and every year and my pay did not keep up with it. So kind of got to the point where I was like, hmm, I need to start looking for something else. So this current position that I'm in as the dietitian for Austin ISD uh, came open and I applied for it and was interviewed. And I think, you know, I had a little bit of experience in school nutrition. I think the fact that I was a classroom teacher gave me a little bit of an upper hand because I did, you know, I think that gives me a unique, some unique experiences and a unique outlook and uh, on school nutrition and the importance of it in general. And um, our, our director is very progressive and you know, we see eye to eye on things like, you know, nutrition and the food system and things like that. So I think that's kind of why I was hired for this position. Can you elaborate so I've been doing- on how your experience as a teacher informs the way you operate inside the nutrition program? Or what are some things you are aware of that you can tell people who don't have the same background don't totally understand? Sure. I think a couple of things. One is like just the the culture of public schools and understanding that culture, uh, how it works with teachers and with students and with parents and with administrators and all of that stuff. I lived it for six years every single day. So I understand that part of it. And I think that's something that's really important. I also, you know, I, I worked at a, a Title I high school that was, you know, near 90% free or reduced. You know, I saw just the importance of school nutrition and the kids having access to good, healthy food and how important that was to them for their learning. It just gave me the insight of actually seeing it day to day about how important that is. And, uh, you know, we did breakfast in the classroom. I was a teacher who actually did breakfast in the classroom too. So that gives me another perspective. I understand how that works and the importance of that and other, you know, CACFP, I was a coach and coached baseball and, you know, we fed meals to the students, um, you know, prior to practice in the games and things like that. So like there was, I had a, a good understanding of how important all of that stuff was for, for our students, how vital it was and necessary for them for their, you know, not just for their nutritional health and, but for their ability to learn and, perform on the field and, you know, all of that stuff. Right. And it sounds like your background is really unique from the culinary arts focus and undergrad to having that experience in the classroom. I haven't come across anyone else who has that combination of skills. So is there anything that you think, have you thought about trying to share some of your unique knowledge beyond your district? Yeah. So, I mean, I have uh, just this year alone, uh, I presented at the school nutrition industry conference that was here in Austin, Texas about community and uh, students and parents and just community, school community engagement and the ways, unique ways in which we do that in Austin ISD, as well as uh, I just did a webinar for the School Nutrition Association, which was focused on that. Oh, what was um, the title? School Community Engagement uh, and Unique Ways to Engage Your School Community. Okay, awesome. And so I, I believe that webinar is available for free online right now, so anybody can, can watch it and listen to it. So. Uh, I had a lot of people, I, a couple hundred people that had signed up for it and watched it. So, um, you know, I think I think I've uh, done a pretty good job. And I always, if somebody reaches out to me for questions on stuff like that, I'm always open to, 
you know, answering any questions and being as, uh, you know, as helpful as possible. Cause I know how important that can be. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure everybody appreciates that. And is like you said, this is a very collaborative community. So it's just excellent uh, to see that people take out the time to share what they know for the benefit of the entire field. How would you describe right. your typical day in your district right now? What's under your umbrella? Huh, it uh, depends on the day. So I'm the dietitian. So I'm the uh, menu planner. So I plan all the menus that, uh, you know, uh, breakfast, lunch, snack programs, CACFP, all the specialized menus and things like that that we do. And I work with the chef team to develop those menus as well as, you know, make sure they meet all the federal federal nutrition guidelines as far as components and saturated fat, sodium, and all of that. And then I handle all the special diets in the district uh, and create menus for those or uh, provide guidance to our managers so that they can meet the needs of all of our students. I do a lot of, you know, school engagement type uh, stuff. Uh, and uh, I run our uh, diced and sliced student culinary uh, competition program that we do in the districts and work with our uh, production team and our chef team to put that together. And then I run the dietetic interns that come in. We get a lot of dietetic interns from uh, from University of Texas, Texas State University, and elsewhere. Uh, I could probably go on for a while. I have a lot of a lot of hats to wear in the district, so. Those are the kind of the main thing, thing, thing. Yeah. but, you know, a lot of training with our managers and support for our, our managers and, and some recipe development and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So how would you describe your district? Like, what is the average daily amount of students that are participating and what's the demographic like? So Austin has about 81,000 students, and Austin's kind of interesting, unique place. It's, you know, uh, getting more and more expensive with uh, each and every day, seemingly. And uh, a lot of our lower-income families can't afford to live here anymore, so they're moving out. So we're kind of seeing a decrease uh, in our enrollment, about 1,000 students per year based upon that. And then because of that, it's our low-income students are leaving, so our free and reduced uh, population is, is the one mostly affected by that. So we're, our free reduced percentage is going down. This year it was 57%. Mm. And then, so we feed, I, th- I believe, uh, end of the year was about 51 to 52% at lunch and about 33% at breakfast each day. Now, has that and been a this year we budget-wise? Just, uh, yeah, of course, for the district on the education side and for us, you know, I mean, uh, you know, not having a firm gauge of how many students we're going to lose each year and how uh, how much of our free and reduced population is going to decrease, uh, you know, each year. It's tough to, to plan, you know, in advance for that that stuff. So we just kind of have to uh, do it. So it's certainly certainly a challenge amongst the other, you know, multitudes of challenges that you have creating a budget for a school nutrition program these days. Right. Well, and you also talked about community engagement kind of being one of your specialties with the demographics changing in the school district. Like, how have you tried to keep the community engaged and interested in the program, even if it's something that they thought they didn't need? How do you keep the program in front of your community? Uh, so I think, I mean, we utilize all the social media things with Twitter and Facebook, Instagram and stuff like that. So we're pretty active on that. We have a marketing specialist who handles most of that. And then, um, you know, I myself and our chef team will try to get in front of the students as much as possible. We did a pretty big push for that this year and get in front of the like staff and teachers, administrators and the parents as much as possible. And just like the general community 
and sort of uh, let them know all the things that are that are happening. I think, you know, uh, particularly with the parents and, and, and breaking that preconceived notion that they have about what school food is like and um, is really, really important because they a lot of times won't, you know, send their kids or even consider having them eat school lunch because they think it's unhealthy or, you know, we use terrible ingredients. Uh, it's uh, it's not good food and the kids aren't going to like it or eat it and stuff like that. So there's just a lot of those preconceived notions. I was a school lunch kid growing up and I ate school lunch every day. So, um, and I remember the quality of the food when I was a kid. I still ate it because I didn't really have any other choice, but it wasn't good. It was all heat and serve and all, you know, stuff like that. You know, times are changing, as you know, and a lot of districts, particularly us, are moving to, you know, scratch cooking and, and uh, you know, global flavors and, and putting fun and creative and innovative things on our menus for the kids to try each day. So, um, you know, I think uh, just just getting the, the parents and teachers and, and even the students themselves an understanding of all the great things that you're doing, I think, is really uh, is really important. And, and you can put stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as many times, but getting in front of their faces and talking to them and uh, hearing some of their concerns and answering their questions and doing all that stuff uh, and showing that you care about their input uh, is really, really something that's, that's incredibly vital and incredibly important. So what are some of the programs that you've used? You already mentioned Dyson Slice, so that's an opportunity to get in front of the students with the chef, right? So what are some things you've done? How do you reach the parents? Uh, So we reach out and we go, uh, you know, district-wide and let, uh, we have principal coffee meetings in the morning, which I'm sure school districts, most school districts have something like this where the principals once a month will meet with parents and let them know things that are going on in their school. Uh, so sometimes we'll go to those and we'll let them know that we're available to uh, to present at those types of things, uh, PTA meetings as well. Any sort of uh, district-wide event where, you know, there's going to be community there mm-hmm. um, is something that we'll go to, set up a booth, bring some food, uh, some samples of some of our menu items and things like that and sample them out to parents and, you know, just give them some information about what's going on. So really anyway, it's kind of a multifaceted approach. Uh, and I don't think there's really one that's been better than the others, but I think getting in front of uh, PTAs as well are, are really important too, because they're generally the parents that are most actively involved in their school community and can kind of share that information with the rest of the the parents. Oh, that makes sense. Have you received any negative feedback that was difficult to manage in the moment or has it overall been you're there as an authority, you, you are sharing information? Uh, always negative feedback. Uh, and I think it's a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times it's just, uh, it's from parents who have never been in the cafeteria who are just hearing things from their kids every day who uh, don't know what's going on and, and have that preconceived notion. So at the beginning of our presentation, you know, it's generally a lot of the questions and the, the attitudes can be a little bit negative. Mm-hmm. But over time, when we explain all of the things that we're doing, we're doing a lot of really progressive things in Austin. So, so it's, you know, it's by the end of that and, and, and sharing with them all the amazing things that we're doing, you know, generally that negativity turns really to, to positivity um, really quickly once you get in front of their in front of their face and answer their questions and 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 take their uh, you know uh, their feedback uh, and uh, understand where their criticism comes from and uh, you know try to change those uh, those beliefs that they may have. 
And you say you guys are doing a lot of innovative things that you guys are really proud of and awesome. What are some of your programs or projects that you have going? Sure. I think the big the big thing is food access, particularly to those uh, you know uh, you know economically disadvantaged students. Uh, so we're using every available resource that we can to make sure that we're providing good quality, healthy, tasty meals to those students every day. And, uh, you know, we do that through the programs that are available to us, like breakfast in the classroom is, is something that's been really vital to us. Uh, so we have um, 52 schools this year that uh, did breakfast in the classroom. We had 11 new sites for breakfast in the classroom open up this year. Uh, so that's been a really big push for us. We uh, increased our CEP sites this year, which is community eligibility provision. That means every student gets free breakfast and lunch uh, each day. And that went from uh, 15 to 43 schools. And I think next year we'll have about 85 schools that will be CEP, uh, which will be more than half of our student body will be able to get free, uh, free breakfast and lunch each day, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we've been focusing a lot on our after-school programs, uh, providing the best quality food that we can for snack and CACFP. We have a uh, clean label initiative. We're working with the Lifetime Foundation, and so they uh, gave us a very large grant to be able to move into a clean label uh, menu. So we are removing uh, anything that's been shown to be harmful to students as far as their growth development uh, and nutrition, uh, nutritional health, like uh, high fructose corn syrup, artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, things like that, bleached flour, um, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. We have a, a laundry list of, of things that we do not put on our, uh, we don't purchase uh food items or use ingredients that contain any of those things. So I think we're at about 97% clean label right now, and we'll hopefully be at 100% very close to it next year. It's been a three-year process to do that. And then we have salad bars now, and at every one of our schools, we offer as much local uh, you know, fruits and vegetables and other products as possible. We, we really like to support our local farmers uh, and, uh, you know, local businesses as much as possible. We participate with a good food purchasing program, and we're, I think, the largest school district in Texas that does that. It's a sort of a guideline of purchasing food so that it's uh, uh, nutritionally sound, environmentally sustainable, that we're supporting, uh, you know, uh, human and animal welfare and things like that. So it's really a, a bunch of guidelines that we have to follow for that. So lot, lots of things. We've got a lot going on in Austin. Um, and, you know, it's really just with a, goal, with a goal of providing the best quality, healthiest and tastiest uh, food to our kids each day so that they can learn in the classroom, grow and develop and, and all of that stuff. And so we're, you know, in doing so, you know, we purchase millions and millions of dollars of food and, and goods and products every year that we're doing it in a way that's uh, environmentally sustainable as well. Right. So, you know, we, we're all... We, we do composting in all of our cafeterias. All of our uh, cafeterias are either using reusable trays or if they don't have a dish machine, are using compostable trays, uh, compo all compostable serving containers. We do compostable utensils, all of that stuff. So, um, wow. you know, it's... Now, I think you may have um, greater buying power than some districts because of your size, but was there an initial challenge finding out how to make that work money-wise, or is that not as expensive as I'm imagining to have compost? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, everything that we're doing, I, I can't remember the price difference between the styrofoam and the compostable trays is, is, is significant. So uh, it's 
you know, there's, it's certainly a monetary challenge. It's just like I always say that if you decide to shop at Whole Foods instead of your regular grocery store, your, your grocery bills are going to go up, right? Right. So if you're buying better quality ingredients, more local produce, uh, clean label stuff, the best quality, you know, meats and, and stuff that you can, putting more fresh produce on your menus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring your food costs up. There's no doubt about it. Um, so you kind of have to just make that balance and watch very closely with your food costs and your labor costs and, uh, and make sure you're serving enough meals to, to overcome some of those things. Right. So what was it like promoting engagement for the salad bar in elementary schools? Speaking of making sure you serve enough meals every day, was that a challenge or were the kids into it from the start? Um, I think there was a lot of pushback at first, I think from our managers, particularly, you know, getting them on board with what we're doing has been, uh, has been a challenge as well. Um, and just from the school community as well, kids aren't going to eat that. They don't like salad. They don't like vegetables. They don't like this, you know? Um, so Austin's a really challenging place because we have like, it's really split down the middle. We have one half of the city that you know, wants us, and this is, I'm generalizing here, this is not everybody, but it, it seems like this is the complaints that I get most frequently is one part of the city, um, you know, telling us, you know, my kid's not going to eat that, just serve them chicken tenders and pizza every day, because that's what they want to eat. Uh, and then the other half of the city wants us to make everything uh, gluten-free and paleo and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, all of that stuff and, and clean label and, and uh, vegan and all of that. So it's, it's kind of a challenge in that sense, um, you know, to meet the needs of both of those types of populations and then everybody kind of in the middle as well. You know, it's been, that, that's been a little bit of a, of a challenge. So we, when we rolled out the salad bars, we make sure equity is something that's really important to us. We want to make sure that every school Every elementary school, every middle, every high school, all the schools get the same quality of food, get the same menus, uh, and every kid has the same access to the good quality food each and every day. Started the salad bars and we rolled them out slowly, you know, one school at a time. And we did it kind of in a way that was celebratory. And we had like a red carpet that the kids walked on to go through the line to get their salads and stuff like that. Sort of made it like a celebratory uh, day. And I think that initial like excitement about it kind of pushed the kids to, to you know, to be more likely to uh, partake in salad. So we, we do pretty well. I, I don't remember the, well, we, have, we have the numbers for this year, but I think last year we were near like a half a million salads that we sold across the district, which is, which is great at, at all levels. So, um, right. you know, we haven't really done some significant research to see how much of it's eaten, but from anecdotal data, the kids are eating it and, uh, and, and taking it. And we are seeing at middle and high school, particularly some increase each year with them having, uh, you know, access to that, those salads each day, um, you know, and uh, all the fresh uh, vegetables that are available to them with their participation in that and their take, the take rates of those things are going up. So it's like, uh, you know, I think it's, to me, nutrition in general is all about, uh, especially for kids, is about exposure and about access. They see it every day. They have access to it every day. You know, eventually they're going to start to understand that that's, something that they understand as a food item that they like to eat and, and, uh, and, and it's going to increase their intake of, of vegetables and, and fruits and things like that and kind of slowly but surely change their, their eating habits and their, their plan. So 
Um, Since change yeah, can be a, really gradual, like how long do you think in general it takes to see a shift? Like if we're talking about one child, how long before you just give up on offering a kid something? I think sometimes people give up too quickly. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I hear that from, you know, when uh, I nutrition education with parents and when I worked at WIC and things like, oh, he won't eat any of that. Okay, well, how many times did you offer it to him? Oh, one time he wouldn't touch it. But, well, the research is pretty clear on that, that for most kids, it takes like a dozen or more times. Some of the research shows 15 to 20 times of exposing a child to something new for them and that it's a food item that they know uh, and that they like to, you know, that they like to eat. And they, you just have to continue to offer them things like that. If you give up, um, you know, that's not going to change their eating habits. Right. Exactly. I think it's really important to remember it's not going to happen overnight and sometimes you have to introduce things in different forms so just because somebody didn't like a raw carrot doesn't mean they don't like cooked carrots doesn't mean they don't like them spiraled you know you have to really put some options out there yes so can you tell me more about your sustainability initiatives when it comes to local produce how are you able to buy locally when your district is so large? So we have, we have a, a really great food community in Austin. Uh, so I think that's really helpful. You know, it's one of America's greatest food towns and people that are just really big advocates for what we're doing and, uh, and willing to be partners with us, particularly our local farms. We have a great farm in Austin called Johnson's Backyard Garden that we partner with. And they are, uh, in, uh, you know, a, an urban farm, very, quite large. They grow lots of produce. And they, uh, they sell to us and we, you know, we'll do things like Farm Fresh Friday initiative with them where we'll put an item on the menus uh, on Fridays from them. We'll, um, you know, purchase uh, stuff from them, not generally just to put on the menu, but just to sample out with kids. So we've done things like radishes, uh, we've done beet, we've done, you know, a lot of different new and interesting things to kind of offer the kids different flavors and things like that, maybe that they've never exposed to with just like a bonus, um, you know, tasting uh, to get them to do that when, you know, I think that's a great way for smaller districts to do is you don't have to buy enough to serve all of the kids. You could buy a little bit just to sample it out with the kids and expose them to new and exciting flavors and different vegetables and stuff like that. And I think that's the kids love that. It's really it's really great when we do stuff like that and we kind of offer them something that they've never had before in just a setting of like sampling it out to them um, yeah. and getting them to taste it. I've been really amazed and and surprised even with like how great of feedback we've gotten from the kids with stuff like that and what they're willing to actually eat. Um, kids generally, I find, are uh, much more exploratory with their palates if you give them a chance than most adults. Right. So I would imagine that framing it as it's just a, it's just a taste, like you don't have to eat a whole vegetable serving that I give you would kind of lessen the pressure a little bit and make them a little open to trying a bite of something. Completely, yes. Yeah, it's it's a it's just a really great opportunity to to expose them to this stuff, and then we you know we utilize any possible way of getting uh, local produce as possible through all of the you know federal programs and state programs. Texas Department of Agriculture is really who uh, oversees school nutrition programs in Texas is really really focused on getting school districts to purchase from local farms. So they've been a really great partner with us as well and promoting. Uh, 
programs for us to be able to purchase uh, local fruits and vegetables and things like that from local farms because they want us just as much as we want to to support our local farmers right here in Texas. And with there being so much going on, how have you been able to use your interns effectively? What types of assignments or projects do you put them on? I'm sure there's like a learning curve when they come in. How do you get them up to speed quickly and really make them an asset to the program? You know, I th- I'm pretty uh, not surprised is not the right word, but I've uh, I think the schools here, uh, University of Texas and Texas State and some of the other programs uh, secondarily have done a really good job of, of educating their students and preparing them for internships. Okay. Um, and so I think they come in with a pretty, you know, decent knowledge base and understanding of how at least the meal pattern and stuff like that works. Mm-hmm. So they do have a pretty solid background there. And then, um, again, I think uh, nutrition programs are doing a little bit better of a job now of exposing students to, to cooking and culinary arts and and food in general, as opposed to just focusing on science, 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 which is really important for a dietitian. But you don't know anything about food. It's going to be very difficult for you to be successful, even in a clinical environment. Um, so I think that's that movement, uh, which seems to be nationwide slowly, but but surely has been really important as well. So, you know, most of, most of the time when the interns come in, they have their preset assignments that they have to do from their, their uh, internship. So I will give some, them some guidance and maybe, you know, have them uh, do something that will be beneficial to us. Like if they're doing a plate waste study, okay, here's something that I'm curious, the kids, I know they're taking it, but are they eating it? Can you do a plate waste study on this? Right. Uh, they're got to, if they got to create a recipe and sample it out to the students, okay, well, here's something that I was interested in trying. So maybe can you go in this direction or, you know, just kind of give them a little bit of a guidance, but I, I like to give them some free range and uh, do something that they're passionate about uh, and that they're excited about doing. I don't want to force them to do additional work that they're not excited about, you know? That makes sense. That's very generous. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. it seems like people, yeah, they don't really care about, the students experience and they just focus on their to-do list whether or not it's something the kid is or the student I guess is going to get a lot out of so that's probably a lot better approach that way it's really mutually beneficial so sweet yeah I mean I remember uh it's been a long time since I've been in my internship but one of the things that I liked about my internship at Keene State College was they gave you a lot of free reign on where you wanted to complete all of your hours and things like that and what kind of projects that you wanted to do and things like that and so I really had an enjoyable experience because I got to do a lot of stuff with food um and cooking and working with kids and stuff like that so yeah um you know, so I, I just I, th- I think it's really important to that's what internships are about is is getting exposure to you know future dietitians so that they you know get a understanding of where it is that they want head in their career. So um, you know, and I'm a big proponent of school nutrition. I think it's a really great place to to work. Um, you know, there's as a public health standpoint, there's really no better place to do that, you know, unless you're working for like some huge USAID or, you know, something like that or USDA or something like that. Um, you know, even then, you know, I'm making the decision uh, generally about the what 80,000 students are getting offered for lunch and after school programs every single day. There's really not much of a, a bigger way to make an impact in the nutritional right. health of, you know, the uh, 
the community and the in the country and 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 those individual kids in general. So I I like to just you know give them an understanding that that's a career uh, that they should consider. You know, everybody thinks clinical, clinical, clinical as they're going through their internship, but there are so many opportunities for dietitians out there. And school nutrition, I think, is one where they don't really consider that. But one, I think it's a a great place because you do get paid generally pretty well. Uh, you do uh, have generally have good benefits. Uh, you get lots of time off generally, uh, and just really in general, it's a it's a it can be a really great work environment. So, and there's a lot of uh, benefits to it that you won't find in other. You're not going to be working on uh, New Year's Eve, right? You know, in a. <laughs> Not going to well, be working on Christmas. Like something happens if there's a storm or something crazy, which yeah, maybe that loves to happen when you're at home relaxing. Yeah, uh, it right. really seems like overall it's not on anyone's radar during the program when you're doing your undergrad. It seems like food service is kind of pushed aside, like you said. Clinical is really the focus, and I think that's why. There isn't much pushback from the students when there isn't enough of an emphasis on culinary. And it isn't until you enter the workforce and you're giving someone all this advice about how to manage their new uh, diagnosis that has nutrition implications and they start asking you practical questions about how do I actually do this? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't cook. (laughs) It's It's a problem. So, yeah. I remember when I did my internship, I had obviously a culinary degree and like experience working in kitchens. I, I think there was 20 of us in my internship and I we did some labs about cooking and things like that. I was just amazed at how many of them didn't know how to chop an onion or yeah. saute or just do basic stuff or even know how some of the equipment in the kitchen worked. It was um I've seen a lot of improvements of that over the years, but, um, you know, I think there just needs to be more of a focus on, on that generally in, uh, in nutrition programs, undergrad and, uh, and master's programs, even, uh, you know, that's, it's so important that that knowledge base needs to be there. If you can't, you can tell somebody all you want about what it is they have to eat, but if you can't, you know, show them uh, the tools and give them the tools and techniques and things like that. And you don't know how to do any of that stuff yourself. It's very difficult. So, yeah. And it's interesting because I think now more than ever, the U S population is losing those skills or doesn't have those skills anymore. So maybe you could have advice, like if you're giving advice to somebody in their sixties, they probably, you know, the wheels are turning and they're thinking about the things they could change and how they cook. But if you're talking to someone in their forties and below, they're probably going to need more information from you because people come from households where both parents are working. So you probably didn't have an opportunity to cook in the kitchen with your parents, like maybe the generation before did. There's just a lot of gaps with culinary knowledge. So you would think the food experts would be able to address that. So it's good to see that those gaps are being closed. And I think you're lucky if you didn't get that and you end up in school nutrition, because that's a good place to build those skills. Yes, for sure. Well, Thank you so much for coming back on. I apologize again for my technical snafu. And you've no problem. That. <laughs> you mentioned one other thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, you said when you left teaching, you were really interested in making sure you're in a position where you could continue to grow or continue to learn. And it just sounded like that indicates you have a growth mindset. And there's a lot of research that shows people who think that way you know, tend to innovate more, tend to take more risks. 
Can you see where being interested in growing and seeing things as a learning experience has been beneficial for you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, anytime you move in sort of like a newish kind of career and a new role, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, there's always so much to learn and so many areas of, of growth to be had. You know, I think school nutrition, there's so much there as far as like the regulations and and, uh, you know, just ch- uh, child nutrition in general. And uh, and there's just so much uh, to learn about and so many areas of growth to be had and budgets and finances and food costs and labor costs. And, you know, it, it goes on and on and, and learning about all of that stuff so you can be as successful as possible in your position, you know, I think are really important and, and to grow and maybe eventually move up to a, you know, a director position or something like that or, you know, any of the other areas that are available in school nutrition. Um, but I think there's just, you know, there's a never ending sort of areas of growth to be had in school nutrition. So, uh, I, I've always kind of had that growth mindset. I can get really bored at jobs really quickly. And uh, particularly if I'm not, I don't feel like my, my professional development is not being being fostered. Uh, and I, I feel like that's one of the major reasons why I left teaching. And I think that's one of the major reasons why people leave teaching in general. I talked about the financial part of it, but, you know, I, I feel like that that professional development and that growth and development as an educator and things like that are something that's pretty sorely lacking in, in, uh, in schools across the country. And that was one of the main reasons. So, yeah, so I mean, you just have to kind of search out what it is that you're interested in learning. There are always opportunities. School Nutrition Association has some great stuff. Uh, Institute of Child Nutrition has some great stuff. Uh, You know, you can earn additional certifications, like as a school nutrition specialist through uh, SNA. There are, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for growth. And even the best school nutrition uh, directors and even the best school uh, dietitians and uh, whatever it may be, always, there's always something in some way that they can improve, whether it's through the leadership or, or management part of things, the financial part of things, uh, food costs, labor costs, any of that stuff. I mean, there's always, um, always somewhere to, you know, somewhere to reach for, for additional information and and ways that you can improve yourself. Right. I think that's definitely true. That's why I really appreciate people sharing the areas that they're strong in, sharing their information with everybody else. So we can all get better as a group. Yeah. And I think school nutrition is a great place. And I, I say this a lot is that we're not competing against one another. We're not like Arby's and Wendy's or whatever, and we don't want to share information to make those businesses better. We're all focused on the same goals. We're not competing with the, you know, we, we have our kids, they're there, they're not moving from one district to another based upon the food quality in the district. Um, No, they're, they're your kids. They're there. Uh, So if you're doing something that's working, why not share that with other districts or other, you know, uh, entities so that they can be successful as well. Uh, there's no reason to recreate the wheel ever because there's probably somebody out there who's doing what it is that you want to do and probably doing it well. So you can kind of take that, you know, information and uh, and utilize it as best you can. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that. Where can we find you online or where can we find what your district is up to? Uh, so we are on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, at Austin ISD Food, uh, Austin ISD Food Services. So you can follow us there. Anybody that's interested in learning more about what we're doing or has any questions or needs some guidance, I'm always available. You can you can shoot me an email. My email address is rya.sengel, C-E-N-G-E-L, at austinisd.org. 
And uh, feel free to send me an email if you uh, if you're curious about how we're doing something. You see a a, a a menu item on one of our Facebook posts or something like that that you're curious about, or you know you want to do something uh, along the lines of what we're doing, and you want to know how best to do that in your district or whatever whatever it is, or you just need some insight. You know I'm always available and willing willing to share. So uh, feel free to reach out to me at any time. Perfect. Thanks so much, Ryan. Of course. As you may have already gathered, Ryan completed this interview with me twice. It was early days with my recording. I still really couldn't tell you what happened to the first recording, but it is gone. And I just appreciate his patience and coming on twice. Both interviews were really great. I can't even really say which one was my favorite, but doesn't matter because we only have this one. So this is the one we get. That said, I really appreciate him sharing his unique journey into school nutrition. It isn't every day you come across someone who has worked within school districts as both an educator and a dietitian. So it was really interesting to hear how that has affected his understanding of our role in school nutrition and its impact on student academic performance. I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. Don't worry if you didn't get notes. I have taken notes for you. All you have to do is go on over to the website, join the mailing list, and I will get those to you. Okay, everybody, have a great week. nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business breakfast you don't want to miss it help your body to replenish clean food clear mind that is the vision tune in to the school nutrition dietitian Woo.